Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibelow Steps and Discussion. Today, it's a great pleasure, as always, to welcome back past guests. And it's been over two years since I last spoke to Jason Langer, um, and I'm here to talk to him this evening about his work and also his most recent book, Berlin. Uh, good evening, Jason. How are you? Or good morning? Oh, I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to see you. Always a pleasure. But before we get into talking about your book, Jason, it would be great if you could just give everyone everyone a, a quick background to your photographic journey. Well, I started photographing back around 1980 when I was about 12 or 13, and I got enthralled with photography like many photographers by walking into a dark room and uh, seeing the red light, smelling the chemicals, seeing my first images develop in the developer. That was the most thrilling. And I've been hooked ever since and trying my best to stick with all of the different changes and revolutions that have happened with photography and digital photography and now AI. And it's all been such a, such a change. I'm trying to keep up with all of that, but uh, I built a dark room in my bedroom closet and love making gelatin silver prints and uh, photographing in black and white. But I also do digital photography now using medium format and love that too. And I sort of bounce back and forth between the two. My subjects tend to be more thoughtful, darker subjects. I tend to think about existential ideas and having a human body. And my latest book is about Judaism, but I'm also working on a Buddhist idea now too, because I, I've also been practicing Buddhism for 27 years. Yep. And so those are my interests. And I started when I graduated university in 1989, I started working with photographer Michael Kenna. And I worked with him for five, six, seven years cool. and learned uh, so much about how the fine art photography world uh, operates yep. and learned business practices through him and making consistent good work and reaching out to galleries and making books and exhibitions and being in collections and, and that whole world. And that's what I've been involved in, as well as teaching yep. for all of this time. Yeah, yeah, quite a fantastic journey. As you say, technology has changed so much, certainly, even more so from the 80s. Um, and as you say, now into AI, and it will be amazing to see where the next steps go to, because one thing you can guarantee is that technology will keep on evol evolving, um, and that whole world will continue to change and develop over time. That's right. And as a photographer, I mean, I, I just felt the I felt compelled to adapt with it that yeah. uh, when all of those changes happened, I felt like I had three choices. Keep doing what I'm doing, everyone else be damned, or <laughs> stop altogether and do something else because it, you know the rules had changed, yep. or adapt. Yeah. Keep doing what I'm doing, adapt new, new habits and new features and take on new technology and, and adapt with the times. And that's what I chose to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, your most recent book, Berlin, which I have the pleasure of, of having a copy of. Um, I know we talked about Secret City uh, a couple of years ago, but Berlin's your your latest kind of body of work, which was shot a number of years ago. Um, and obviously, it's a very personal um, personal subject matter to you for going back to your childhood. Yes. So 
I was drawn to photograph Berlin because of the connection that I have with my with attitudes that I grew up uh, being amongst because I'm Jewish and because I grew up in Israel in the 1970s. And my mother and her mother had these preconceptions about German people because yeah. of the Holocaust. Yeah. And growing up Jewish, it's difficult to not have some of those attitudes. And when I showed Secret City as an exhibition at the Michael Hoppen Gallery in London, he was actually the one who suggested that I photograph in Berlin. Right. He thought Berlin would be appropriate for my sensibility of photographing mm -hmm. the city. But when he said that, I immediately felt confronted with, oh, boy, I better look at these attitudes that I have about Germany that yeah. came from growing up in Israel and my my mother. And also that every year on Yom HaShoah on Holocaust Memorial Day, we children were brought to the kibbutz's uh, Holocaust Memorial and asked to stand in silence and remember all those people who died so that we could be in Israel in the land of milk and honey. And that made a deep impression on me. Yeah. And so when Hoppen suggested that I photograph in Berlin, I was like, this is going to be a big, a big task. And I took it seriously and I photographed it for many different angles. I did it all in film. I yep. started it in 2009 uh, because at that time, digital photography really wasn't that sophisticated. I couldn't imagine making a large print from my what was then a Canon EOS. What was it? An, a 10, an X10 or something right. like that. Yeah, uh, it just wasn't that sophisticated. So I stuck with film and I photographed this project from 2009 to 2013. And then I photographed a lot. It took me a long time to process and, and print the images and decide and edit and hire a, uh, an editor and decide what the book was going to be about and how it was going to be balanced. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can imagine as, as you say, it's uh, it's when you're growing up young, you, you take on board so much of, of the people who surround you and their, their views and impressions. And I suspect, as you say, when you're then presented with it as many, many years later, all of a sudden you, you naturally think back to those preconceptions that you might have. And I, I suppose therefore it's addressing those challenges as well in, in creating what's a beautiful body of work. So thank you. So yes, when I was walking around photographing in Berlin, I came back with images that were fairly moody, moody yeah. and somber, and wondered why that was the case. And I was drawn to darker subject matter. I was also drawn to places that were important for Jewish people, yeah. uh, pre-war pre and during the war. Um, and I felt this sort of presence of ghosts as I was walking mm -hmm. around. I felt like I'm walking in the footsteps of where Jewish people were walking. And at one point, they either had to fled, flee Germany or were deported to death camps. Yeah. You know, and that was just I was aware of that. I felt like that was a part of my background. So I photographed that. But I. I also knew that photographing contemporary Berlin was much more than that, right? That Berlin had also continued on 
in its own next generation, two generations since, and that I felt responsible to also capture some of that as well as the youth and all of the artistic, you know, it being an artistic center of Europe. And and also you can't help but photograph pre-war, the Weimar Republic and this sort of joyous sexual expression, creative expression, all of that is embedded in different parts of the city as well. So it became very complex and multi-layered. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And when I was I was having a a, a reminder of, of the work earlier on this week and I, I love the I love the balance and the spread of subject matters that you capture that you talk about, particularly the 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 deeper, darker side of Berlin, some of which reminds me very much of your work in Secret City as well. Just the a lovely cinematic feel to it, um, but also just the 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 bold architecture. Um, the combination of the new and old architecture as well, which I, I always find fascinating and, and love to see it just, just well photographed. But then the portraits and the people that you're bringing to life, both the older and, as you say, the younger generation who have been two generations removed from from, from that era. Yeah, so that's what you've been to Berlin, correct? I have, yes. Yeah. So it's impossible not to notice the architecture. There's such a mixture of architecture where you could have these brand new glass buildings right next to buildings that look like they were just shelled. Yeah. Right. They're all up against each other and, and all these different eras of, of architecture are all smashed up against each other. And you have this constant mixture of the old world and several generations past and the new world. And uh, I really like what what um, uh, writer Mark Alice Durant said about, about this book. He said something perfect. So let me read it to you. Cool. He used a couple words similar to what you used and he said he said uh langer is a confident photographer whose epic images recall the spirit of modernist auteurs like Versailles, steichen Kurtej, and rongerpach berlin is his most personal book and that it traces the artist's jewish roots his time on an israeli kibbutz and what it means for a contemporary american photographer to walk the streets where some of the greatest horrors of the 20th century were planned and executed. Langer's collection of muscular images of architecture and alleyways where the ghosts of history can be felt are punctuated by moments of quiet sensuality. I think that says it perfectly in the way in the way that you were alluding to that the architecture in Durant's words are photographed in a muscular manner. And then you have this other way of photographing which is also sensual because there are a couple there are a few semi nudes in there of the people that i stayed with and that was one of the most interesting parts of this project was photographing for instance a place of atrocity like Sachsenhausen, the death camp in the morning and then coming back in the afternoon and doing these playful semi nude photographs of my roommates and that was part of the magic that I experienced in Berlin, that all of that is happening at the same time. And when you're in Berlin, it's inevitable that you soak in the centuries of history there. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I was going to, I was going to ask you when when you I suppose when you first arrived in Berlin for the first time, how how emotionally did you feel when you when you just began walking through the streets? I'm sure you you kind of went with a plan, but it must have been quite quite an experience going there for the very first time. I did, and the first place I went to was the Holocaust Memorial, which is very close to the center of town. Yeah. So that was one of the first places I went and wandered within the Holocaust Memorial. It's something like 2,700 concrete slabs that you can get lost within. Yeah. And the rest of the of the project I handled like that very first day. I mixed it all up together based on on where I was at the moment. So I walked the entire city or took uh, the streetcar. And I tried to photograph historical places, contemporary places, and do portraits on the street, depending on where I was. And I also listened to the advice of the people that I was staying with. They said, you should go here, you should go there, try to get into here. They suggested places like um, hopping the fence at the abandoned amusement park, Spray Park. (laughs) So I, I did that during a blizzard. And that was great. And so while I was there, it just like all the other times that I visited, photograph what is nearby. Yeah. Right. Make the best use of my time. Yeah. I, so I, it, was, it was a mixture. And then when we when the time came to edit all the photographs into a book and an exhibition, my my first instinct was to simply have a collection of photographs of the strongest work. But once the narrative started to develop, when I started to to write about my experience, when I started to draw upon my historical biographical experience, then it became clearer what the book was about. And I began to arrange the photographs according to the importance of the place and my connection to it. And so while I was photographing, it was partly a research project. I yeah. was photographing places that were important to Jewish people, but then I was throwing a lot more in. And when I worked with this really great book designer named Matthew Papa, who's a New Yorker, he said, hey, why don't we arrange this book, lay it out geographically, yeah. like you're walking from one end of Berlin to the next. And that gave us a chance to, again, highlight the most important places, not necessarily the strongest images, but the most important places yeah. for the narrative. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, I, I suppose, at what point did the narrative come to you? But it sounds as though you, you'd done a lot of the, the photography and a lot of the work before you actually, they, before the na- narrative actually became obvious, maybe, to you? The narrative started to become clearer after the, I started developing the, the images from the yeah. first trip. But then it's just like I photograph any other photographic project and how I, I train my students. And that is when you first start a new photographic project, you're photographing everything. You're not quite sure exactly what you want. And almost every image is good because you have never been there and you haven't gotten that picture before. The next time you go back, you realize you need to find some things that you didn't get the first time. And also you end up repeating yourself with images that you have already made, right? And sometimes those second versions are better than the first ones and can replace them. And sometimes they're not. 
And then as you continue on a long photographic project, you find other things that you need to fill in the gaps in order to tell the story that you want to tell. And you end up repeating yourself and hopefully keeping the best of those images and letting go of the ones that are not so good. And you compile uh, a research project that way. And that's exactly how I handled the Berlin project. Every year I went back, I decided I don't have this yet. I need to get this. This should be a part of it. I need to talk to this person. I need to go here. And did I already make this picture? Yes, I did. But I'll do it again because it may be better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a very it's a very structured and logical way to tackle a project, particularly when you're tackling about a city such as such as Berlin, where you can go very much with ideas, locations in mind that are important to you from a historical perspective, but then also maybe important to the modern generation of Berlin as well, because it's 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 blending the is blending the two together, and and as you say that the people you've been able to capture as well. I love your portraiture work. Um, just the emotion and just the variety of people as well. I, I always always just really enjoy seeing 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 the differences. So the portrait work was interesting. I would just stop people on the street and I would say, can I take your picture? I would take their picture and I would say, ask, are you German? And they would either say yes or no. And I would ask, they would say, what do you want me to do? And I would say, just look into the lens. Yep. And so I ended up keeping the portraits of the people who were German that I made in them. And I think there are maybe eight of those portraits in there. And it's it's an interesting experience to look into their eyes and to have them look back at you as the viewer. And there is this feeling of, at least in my subjective perspective, do we trust each other? Right? There is that sort of a feeling when they're gazing into the camera of this test of trust And that is really, I think, what I bring to the way that I photographed people during that Berlin journey. And this whole idea of of making a photographic project that is purely subjective and personal is also something that is natural to me and that I can't avoid. So the, the name of the book, more properly, would be Berlin Impressions. Yeah. Right. It would be yeah. my impressions of anyone who lives in Berlin now would say Berlin is not like this at all. <laughs> they would say, you know, Langer came in here as a stranger, as a Jewish person. He had some things that he felt and that he wanted to say. And he edited the photographs in order to say that. And I would say that's exactly right. Absolutely. I had you know, a personal experience of the city and my responsibility was to photograph that subjective experience as accurately as I could. Yeah. And write and ha- about it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And how how yeah. do you how do you feel your your impressions of Germany have changed since doing this project? Because obviously that was a big factor when you went into this project. And I'm interested to see how going there for four or five years to photograph them, how how has it changed? Oh, I'd say it's much more diverse now and much more yeah. open. And I spoke to such a variety of people that there was no way to sort of uh, uh, minimize a certain German experience. Yeah. What I did really was confront my own stereotypes and my own preconceptions and find that most of them aren't true. Yeah. 
So like yeah. the stereotype of, of German efficiency is that they're always on time. And your experience when you actually travel the trains and buses of Berlin is that they're never on time. <laughs> right? Basic yeah. things like that are totally true. Yeah. And that there's a variety of people living in Berlin of all different generations and they're all different. Yeah. So that was that was it was really a confrontation of my own preconceptions is what it was. And I think in turn that mirrors the preconceptions between Germans and Jewish people. And if anyone is interested to go beyond the book, there's a very good documentary on Amazon Prime called Germans and Jews. And it's about these, it is these conversations between German people who live in Berlin and Jewish people who live there or are emigrating into and German people talking about their own preconceptions and their own suspicions about Jewish people and about their own parents and grandparents and whether they were Nazi sympathizers. Yeah. It's a very interesting documentary. Cool. I'll, so I'll it, after seeing that, I realized my experience was not unique, yeah. right? My experience of a Jewish person having suspicions about Germans is not unique. Yeah, yeah, abs abs absolutely, and um, yeah, it's it's fascinating just to hear hear you talk about your experiences and how and how how it's changed you and 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 I suppose your views, and I I think the way you photographed it, as you say, going through the city, makes for a lovely journey, and I think it adds to, as you say your impressions of berlin and it's not a i prefer the i prefer the feel of the journey as opposed to just a scattered on approach of one location to another location to another location as you say it allows you the emphasis for to emphasize the stronger the stronger images and and the locations that you want to pull together yes uh, i think that was a really great idea and i knew that this photographic project would also need text yeah because when i tested the layout of the book to different photographers and curators half of them said you should just make it a journey just no words at all just walking through the city and the other half said this could be a textbook right it could be yeah. you could have captions for almost all of the images because they are important places and they are that you have something important to say about them and i thought well let's split the difference and make it 50 50. <laughs> and for the most part it will be a general walk through the city where you have your own impressions and your own feelings of being at that place and then once in a while you'll stop and say you know you 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 read a marker with some text on it that says oh this is where you are and this is why this place is important and and a connection of my own personal connection to it yeah which i felt most um that i was taking the highest risk by you know photographing something as important as important as the siga soila the victory column and then talk about how my relationship with it is through the movie wings of desire right mm -hmm. and so this is not a textbook it's not a history book and it's more than a photography book it's also kind of a memoir. Yeah. Yep. And so I felt that it was appropriate for me to give my own take. But, you know, if we're 
photographing the city from my perspective, why not my own thoughts and my own associations with the pictures as well? Yeah, I, absolutely. I I really enjoyed the text. I enjoyed the essays at, at the part at the start of it as well. Um, the three different perspectives, the three different viewpoints, which I thought really kind of set very different scenes um, from a different from very different perspectives. But I enjoyed the text and the and the, the statements through through the book. And I actually I actually think yeah, incorporating your personal view and your personal feeling on in the statements, I think was I think it was very appropriate because it's your personal journey and okay it is a journey through berlin but as you say it's it's like your impression of berlin and therefore actually the reason so something is particularly important is also because it's very important to you personally so i think it just gives it gives a different insight behind behind the narrative as well of the of the book now you know photography books very very well this is your beat and you know how <laughs> unusual it is for an artist to write about their own book, making the book within yeah. the book. It's yeah. very self-referential. And I felt weird about that. I felt like here I am making a book about a certain place, but also talking about making a book within yeah. it and how unusual that is. But I decided that it was appropriate and to do it anyway. And I was also interested in breaking up the photography book form. Yeah. You know, where it's a single image, a double image, a yeah. single image with a white page. I broke that all up and and decided to publish the photos depending on the strength of the image and the sort of the larger images, the ones that are double page spreads are the ones that hit you over the head yeah. with their enormousness, let's say. And then there are smaller images within the book that communicate more intimacy that you have to come closer to them in order to view. And I wanted to have that experience of the back and forth in and out like you would in an exhibition of, yeah. of, uh, of photographs as well. So all of that was taken into account as well as if you notice the end papers in the beginning of the book and in the end, the first is red. At the back of the book is black. And in the center, if you look carefully, the thread is yellow. So you have the colors of the German flag in there, but you also have a reference to the writing of Shelley Kupferberg. She's one of the writers in the book who mentions that she is not uh, a fan of the of the color yellow because of the yellow of the Jewish star, right? That the Jewish people had to wear. Yeah. And so yellow is not allowed in her house. And I thought yellow is important. Let's make this book bound by Jewish yellow. Yeah, lovely. And, and so you, there's meaning in how it was bound and put together as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's all the small all those small details add to to the finished product. And as you as you mentioned that the the size and the scale of of photographs, I like that they're not all the same size. It 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 builds for a better flow. It builds for more suspense and and for the story as well. As you say, you've got some lovely small shots that far more of an intimate feel, but then you've got some wonderful huge big shots that are just full of atmosphere and of of importance, bold and striking, which I which I think works really well. And I think to go through a book in of this subject matter and this story for them all to be the same size 
I think it would lose its impact. I think I think a lot would be lost in that um, because I think actually everything has it. Everything's got different level of importance to you from telling the story. Yes, that's right. And also, if you notice, the text is is uh, set up. It's formatted in a very unusual way. And I asked, I specifically asked the book designer to find a way to make the text more readable and more inviting. Yeah. So I don't know what the style was, but he starts each paragraph with an indentation, which is more magazine style. And actually, he is a former magazine editor. And I thought it was appropriate that he used that he bring in some of the magazine editing techniques for this to to invite the reader to do more reading because yeah. there is so much text and i i also like the image captions at the end as well i really because i really enjoyed yes. going i really enjoyed going through it reading the captions against the images but then actually getting to the end and seeing that right okay i can now read small captions on every single image was really lovely to be able to go back and get some additional context and relativity to location-wise, so you kind of feel as though you're going on that journey yourself. Yes, and if you can imagine, we also struggled with whether we should put captions under every one of the images, and we decided not to do that because we wanted to be, for the majority of the book, to be more freeform and to allow the person to just walk in the city without being nailed down by text. Yeah. Because if you're just looking at an image, you're not quite sure where you are. You don't even know what the image is, but you're having an emotional experience of that. And that was more important than knowing exactly where you were or what the thing is that you're looking at. Absolutely. And when it when it came to, I suppose, curating and selecting the images for the book, how challenging was it? How many images did you have to try and cull to get it down to a level which became a workable journey? Oh, I probably had a thousand images narrowed it down to 400 and then took it down to 150 and and every every way that i worked with the images themselves helped edit that process yeah so making computer prints off of them and laying them out stacking them up putting in different kinds of ways, living with them, posting them up, deciding which ones are no longer interesting. And then when we finally decided to lay the book out geographically, what I did was, and my kids enjoyed doing this, (laughs) I gave them the name of the location of what that place was. And I didn't record all the locations for all of this, but I had them on a map. I have five maps that uh, I had five subway maps the uban maps yep and i marked the location on that uban map and right. so what i had my kids do would was go to google and put down the geographic coordinates of it and they laid out the book according to the geography of it and once that happened i could see how there was too much stacking up of a certain kind of imagery in a certain area yep. and not enough in another And that helped sort of even out the book because I wanted to have it as more or less an even walk through the city, right? So there are fewer, there were many more images on the east, in Berlin, but they were very repetitious. 
And so I was able to edit them out. You only need so many pictures of these vast blocks of apartment buildings. Absolutely. Right. And so I only have two. (laughs) And so what it helped to see that I had too many in that area and to pull some out and that there are certain places from the West that I don't have that many images of, and I needed to add some. And also what helped with the edit <clears throat> was to have the writer write about the the images. Yeah. Because by the time the writer gets the images and they make their determination of what's important to say about them, they know the historical context. And they, in this case, Bill Cowenhoven wrote about images that actually I edited out of the book. And so since he wrote about it and the writing was so important, I decided to put the images back in. Yep. Yeah. So that was an interesting thing also is to edit images back in because they're mentioned in the text. Yeah, it's quite it's a very interesting way of doing it. And as you say, it's quite it's quite fascinating. I'm always interested to see how people approach sequencing and curation of books because it's such a fundamental part to how one reacts to to what they're seeing you can you can have a whole bundle of great photographs but if they're not in an order and a sequence that makes sense to someone then it's just a bundle of images so it's really interesting to hear locationally wise you are able to kind of balance level things off it and make sure as you say it's a it's a representational spread across the city as you say there are only so many images of a certain subject matter that you need that often we kind of forget about and end up with the same image that just repeats over and over again, but you've you've managed to you've managed to kind of balance that off really nicely. Yes, thank you. And also, one thing that happened accidentally, but it was a nice accident, was <laughs> that there ended up to be a prologue and epilogue to the book, yeah. based on the images that tell a story of what the book is about. So, grab your book. I've got my book. And and I'll grab mine too. And you'll see that the book starts with an image of a path. Yes. And that is me walking into the scene. And then there's an image of that path, of a path going to the kibbutz that I grew up on. And how uh-huh. it's sort of a mirror of that experience. The next image of is of Gleinerker Brook, the famous yep. Bridge of Spies. And that is on the western side of of the city and it's like i'm entering a place as a foreigner as a spy as a jewish person walking into germany so it tells that story the next image is of babelsberg babelsberg photo studio uh, a movie studio right yeah so it's like and i i hopped the fence on this and trespassed and took this (laughs) picture and it's like part of what you're going to see here is fantasy. This is the oldest uh, movie studio in the world. And it was also, it uh, harkened back to the first horror film that my father saw, which was The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, filmed at this studio. Cool. Yeah. A silent German expressionist film. The next image is also in the West, and that is Peacock Island, Fowensinsel. And that castle that you see in the background was uh, built for, I think it was Frederick III's mistress. And I decided to pair that with an image of one of my friend's friends 
that we had photographed in this flat. Right. So it's, it sort of mirrors that same experience. And then the next image is the Vonsi conference where the final solution was decided. Yeah. And enacted. And then you start to get into the imagery. Yep. Starting with a map, starting with a picture of the Jewish star. And at the back is kind of an epilogue. Yep. There's like a, a you know, if I left, I decided if I left it at Sachsenhausen at the death camp, it would be too heavy yes. of yep. an ending for the book. And so I decided to end it with uh, a ruined subway station, the you know a, the ruins in a in a in a forest, and yeah. then a dog jumping in a snowy road, and then looking up and seeing this staircase that's like shaped like an ear, like I'm listening to the city. Yeah. And then the very last image is Trep Tower Park, which is on the east side of the city, and it's like you're finally opened up into a space that you can walk in and be free again. Yeah. And so all of that just sort of magically worked itself out by location and yeah. by good editing. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. All it, very thoughtful. Yeah, all thoughtful. All, all has its place, and and I know exactly. I know exactly what you what you mean when you talk about the heaviness towards the end, and then just easing that off. And and then just the the lovely like gentle scenes as you as you open back up into what feels like a, a safe place and and a friendly warm welcoming 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 place as well. Uh, the staircase is wonderful. Yes. I think that's a, a beautiful shot. Um, but no, yeah, the the sequencing for me work, works so well. It's it's a wonderful journey. Um, and I yeah, I really I really like your work. I've always been always always enjoyed your work. It's lovely to see the the cinematic feel of uh, Secret City blend into it as well. Because I I think just it just adds a lovely touch and to like it, it feels like a different era of Berlin as well. Um, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah, and you know, one question that I've heard asked from people is, uh, why isn't it not in color, yeah. right? Why black and white? And it's the same answer that I usually give is that black and white allows one to enter a more symbolic frame of mind, right? Mm -hmm. it, it reduces distractions yeah. and allows the viewer to, and it allows the photographer to mold the image tonally in yep. terms of the tones into the kind of symbolic imagery that's more like dream time that's more like uh a, a place of symbolism and uh the graphic nature of of where you are yeah so that, that's why it's in black and white and yeah if it were in color it would be much more contemporary and i think it has uh you know more of a classic and film noir and news footage and documentary nature because of its black and white. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would. I think, as you say, I think the whole experience as the as a viewer of your journey would be so very different if those if those was in color. I love the documentary feel of it. It's not something. I I'm particular, I I photograph myself at all, but I I really and as you know I've got lots of books which and I love the documentary aspect of it, uh, combining portraits with landscapes, uh, giving a bit of context for me that that really that really appeals to me and it just it just makes for an entirely different story and and a real enjoyment in viewing someone's work. Good, thank you.
But yeah, uh, did you have any other questions? No, I I, th- I think that I think that's most of my questions. I I can guarantee that once we stop recording this, I'll think of other questions. There's no there's no doubt about it. That that always that always happens. And to be honest, there's probably things that we've do- we've talked about that I wouldn't have initially have thought about about asking. And that's why I enjoy it. It's the conversation goes where the where the conversation naturally flows. Um, but no, it's a beautiful book, and I, I look forward to seeing some of your future uh, hopefully you have a few more books inside you inside you yes i'm sure you're working on some other projects at the moment and uh, but i would love there one is ready to go and one is fomenting brilliant yeah yeah it, that, that that's always good to have one ready to go and uh, and another one in the back drawer just to pull out uh, pull out as and yep. when but uh, I, I i know you've maybe got, probably got a few books yourself so it'd be great i don't know if there's been any books that you've picked up recently that um, have been quite interesting it's always nice to uh, it's always nice when i'm able to speak to people from the other side of the pond because your exposure is to different photographers than we would necessarily uh, necessarily see over in the uk maybe as much so if if you've got a few books, Jason, it'd be great to great to hear some. Yeah, so I like this book by Mac Books called Another Online Pervert by mm-hmm. Bree Souders. Her last name is Souders, S-O-U-D-E-R-S. Yep. And this is a brilliant book because now that we're all talking about AI and you know generative fill in Photoshop and yep to chatbots and, and all of that and chat GPT. So Brie had a long conversation with a chatbot and asked very abstract questions. And they had an abstract conversation that brought in some fantasy and past and future and looking at oneself and you start to wonder how sentient this chatbot really is. Mm. And so this book is called Another Online Pervert by Bree Souders by Mac Books. The other one that I very much enjoy is this book on photographs of Mike Tyson by Laurie Grinker, G-R-I-N-K-E-R. And she followed Mike Tyson's career and did beautiful portraits of him in casual circumstances and also in fights. And this is a really great reportage cool. over a period of many years of Tyson. I love that. And I love Grinker's work. And uh-huh. also this book, which is one of three books by Meryl Meisler, M-E-I-S-L-E-R. And she has an interesting story. I think she's in her 70s, if not 80. Right. This book is called New York Paradise Lost. Bushwick era disco and she hmm. photographed disco and studio 54 and the night scenes in New York city in the late seventies and eighties. Cool. Sounds good. And the story is from what I understand is that she was a school teacher for many years and would do this in the evening, but didn't want to jeopardize her career as a teacher. So she kept all of these pictures a secret. And now they all come out. And they're really wonderful pictures of dancing in discos and what Bushwick was like at that time, her school settings, um, the people, the places, the culture, all really great. So I love those three books. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Jason. Yeah, lovely three 
three books I've never come across. I'll be sure to check them out. Uh, I certainly like the look of the New York book. Um, I think that'll be really nice, quite quite moody, atmospheric shots as well, particularly from that era in New York, very, very different from the current yes. era in New York. So um, yes. and interesting that someone decided to kind of keep them all until she had fi- had finished her, her career and was and felt free and able to publish them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time to wait. A very long time, long, longer than most, longer than most people wait to publish books. Yes, but, uh, yes. But Jason, on that note, I would just like to really thank you very much for giving me up some of your time once again to speak to me about about your work and your book. It's it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, it's been it's been wonderful to hear your background to to Berlin. A real pleasure, and yeah, just thank you very much. Likewise, always great to see you and speak with you. Thanks a lot. Great conversation. Cheers, Jason.